And we're going to start here today as we kind of wrap up this series on how do we find God's will? And how do we know what God's will is? And we've talked about it the last two weeks, and we'll review in a second. But I want to, I want to start you out this morning with these verses from Psalms 40. And it's really the last three verses that we're going to kind of go to and study a little bit today. But David just gives you the context of what he's saying. David is, is speaking here, and he's writing this. And we don't know the context for sure what was going on with David. We don't know if he had just you know, sinned with Bathsheba, or if he was running for his life. Scholars don't know exactly what setting this was, this was wrote in, but we know that David was, was in a bad place, and he wasn't happy. Um, he was crying, and it wasn't tears of joy. It was tears of sorrow or fear or whatever maybe was going on in his life. But David is speaking, and it says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, and he heard my cry. And you could preach a whole sermon out of these couple of these verses. And I, as I read that, I think maybe there's some of you right now that you need to just wait patiently. You know, maybe that's where God has you right now. And it's just a season and a time for you to just wait patiently. Not wait impatiently. Not wait kind of angry at God and saying, God, where are you? But to wait patiently and say, God, I'm going to wait on you. David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. There's an implication there that God didn't hear him immediately and respond immediately. But he said, I waited on God and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things that you've done for me, David is saying. The The things you planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. God, you've done so many things. Your plans for me are so great and so many that I can't recount them all. And then in verse 6, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. And here's where we're going to start today is verse 6, 7, and 8. But my ears you have pierced. In other words, you've opened my ears. It's not talking literally about a piercing. But he's saying, God, you've opened my ears. I've discovered. I've heard. Sacrifices, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am. I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will. I desire to do your will. Oh my God, your law is written in my heart. Let's review a little bit where we've been over the last two weeks. We started this whole journey a couple weeks ago, and, and kind of with this question is, how do I know what God's will is for my life? You know, how, should, I, should I get married? Should I stay single if I get married? How many children should I have? Where should I live? Where should I go to college? God, what's your purpose in my life? Should I move there? Should I not move there? God, what do you want me to do? And I kind of start out and saying whether, whether we verbalize it or whether we even have 
kind of consciously thought about it, that there's something that is on the inside of every one of us that would like and desire and want some divine direction, right? That if God could just come down and talk, if we could just sit down with God and have a conversation and we could ask some questions, God, what do you want me to do in, in this situation? God, what, is, what do you want me to go to college for? What really fits? What is your plan for my life? How does God reveal all of those things to me and you? And what does it look like? And so the first Sunday I drew you this kind of this wheel with three rings and the outside wheel I said represented this wheel represented God's will, but the outside ring represented God's kind of, um, God's ultimate will, or, or we call it the works of God, right? And the works of God are the things that God is going to will, and you just can't do anything about it. He is just going to do it because he's God. And you may like it, or you may not like it, but you might as well get on board with it, because if you don't get on board with it, you're going to get run over. When God decided to create the earth and create us, he didn't take a vote. He didn't have a committee. God just did it, right? Because he's God, and there's some things that God is just going to do. He's going to put things into motion, and he's just going to do it. He, he decided at one point that he was going to destroy the earth because it was so evil. He didn't take a vote. He didn't ask anybody's permission. He just did it because he was God. And then all through Scripture, we see God just did things. He chose Abraham to become the father of his chosen people. And you can try to figure it out and say, why did God chose Abraham and all this stuff? You know what? Ultimately, God just did it. God chose Moses to then deliver his people out of slavery. God just chose him. He just, he just did it. And there's some things that are inside of God's will that are just the works of God that we cannot change. And then on the inside of that, we wrote... We, put another circle, and we wrote in there the, the ways of God. And here's what I said about the ways of God, that the ways of God are revealed in Scripture, that the ways of God are not difficult to see and to understand and to find. And so often we get caught up in this thing, and all of us have done this at different stages of our lives, and we said, I don't know what God wants me to do. And sometimes I wonder if God is sitting in heaven listening to us and kind of in our lives saying, I've told you exactly what to do. You do in my word. My will is revealed through my ways. And it's not hard to understand. Do not be honest. Live with integrity. Do not commit adultery. Forgive as I have forgiven you. Harmony with one another. And the list can go on and on. And it doesn't take much interpretation. It doesn't even necessarily take that much of a Bible study. There's just some things in Scripture that are God's ways. But here's the thing. When we ask the question, well, how do I know what God's will is, is a lot of times we're not asking about God's ways and about what Scripture teaches. What we're saying is God, or we ask someone else, and when people come to me, this is what they're asking. What do I need to do? What's God's personal will for me? And that's that inside circle that we do. So we have God's works, we have God's ways, and we have God's personal will for my life. Should I go to college? Shouldn't I go to college? Should I marry her or should I marry her? This, uh, you know, how do I know, God, what you want me to do? And then if we're married and things aren't good, then we're saying, well, God, did I marry the wrong one? Maybe I married out of your will. And we start to blame God and God's plan. 
right? And, and we get all confused. And listen, I do believe, and we're going to talk about that today. We talked about it last week a little bit, too, that God does have a personal will. But maybe what we said in the first week is more times than that, God is saying, listen, my personal will for your life is revealed when you learn to live in my ways. That is, when I do, when I live in God's ways, when I do it His way, when I live with integrity, when I live with purity, when my priorities are what God says my priorities ought to be, and the list goes on and on again. And God is saying, when you follow in my ways, I will reveal my will for your life. And I said this the first week. I said, is it possible for me, is it possible for you to be living God's way? Is it possible for me to be living God's way and following His ways and to be outside of His will? And I think it's impossible. If I'm doing my life and my relationships and whatever you want to throw in there, everything. Remember our theme verse? Whatever you do. Whatever I'm doing, if it's done God's ways, is it possible for me to be outside of God's will? God's will is revealed through his ways. That was the first week. Last week, we said, how do I actually hear from God? All that was kind of general the first week, but how do I actually hear from God? How do I really hear God's voice? Because God gives direction. And it's not always just kind of vague. God does give us some direction. Sometimes it's clear direction. Sometimes it's not always clear direction. But I think there are times and places and seasons and things that we go through in life where God gives us direct and sometimes very clear direction. But how does that look? And here's what we said. I kind of drew you a window. And this window gives you windows into God's, into God's will. And the first thing I said is that God speaks for us through the influence of other people. We all know that, but here's what we have to remember is that it has to be the right people. Because if there's equal, if there's equal good, if there's equal possibility for good and direction in your life from, from the right people, there's also equal uh, chance for the wrong person to give you direction. And so just make sure it's the right person, that they love you, that they love Jesus, that they're committed, Right? influence of other people. I said the second thing is, is life circumstances, just where we are in life. You know, there's limitations. There's limitations in life that sometimes limit what we can and cannot do, but what we have to do is not focus on our limitations, but we ought to focus on our advantages and leverage those advantages. Leverage the circumstances that are in your life right now. Figure out what they are and learn to live with the limitations. But life circumstances is one way that God reveals his will to us. And then the third thing was the Holy Spirit. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian and you've asked Jesus to be Lord of your life, right? You have been filled with the Holy Spirit. And it is the same Holy Spirit that rose, that, that, that rose Jesus from the dead, that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit that they healed with in the New Testament and all through Scripture, it's the same Holy Spirit. And we need to allow that to direct us and guide us and to empower us. And then the fourth thing I said is this, is all three of these things, influence of other people, life circumstances, and the Holy Spirit, all has to be filtered through the Word of God, that ultimately God's will for your life 
has to be filtered through the Word of God. Was that advice that I received from that guy, does it line up with, the, with what God teaches in his Holy Bible? Does it line up with his principles? Right? Does my life circumstances, do they line up with what God teaches me in the Holy Bible? Does the Holy Spirit, what I think is the Holy Spirit directing me, does it line up with what he's taught in the Bible? Because the Bible never changes. It is the rock that everything is built on. So today we're going to talk about, we move to another level in this whole idea of God's will. I want to read you the our theme verse. You guys know this verse. Most of us, some of you maybe at least know it by heart by now, but Colossians 3.17 is the theme verse that is kind of running us, driving us through this whole series, and it goes like this. And whatever you do, whatever you do, it doesn't matter what it is, but whatever you do, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So whatever we do, God's will is ultimately whatever you do, that you do it all for him. That's his will. Psalms 40, verse 6, which I already read to you, is where we're going to start today. David says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. God in other words, David is saying, you've opened my ears. And, and three things I'm going to give you today, and here's the first one. This, this, this whole step, how do, we, how do we put this all together and kind of wrap this up? The first thing is this. The first step to finding God's will is discovering God's will. And that's what David is saying. David is saying, listen, you've opened my ears. I've discovered your will. I've heard it. I understand it. I even understand, listen to what he says. He says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. And then verse 7. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. In other words, David is saying, my ears are open. I've heard what your will is for my life. I've discovered it, but not only have I discovered it, I understand my place in my role in history and in fulfilling your will. I've discovered it. I know what you want me to do. My ears are open. I'm not searching. I'm not looking anymore. I've discovered what you want me to do in my life. I've discovered why you created me and put me here. And here's, here's the thing. Is David is saying this, is that, that your will, your will, O oh Lord, or the will, your will for me, God, is now moved from the formal to the personal. It's not just, it's not just kind of out there and I'm grasping for it and I'm trying to figure out. David is saying, no, listen, I've discovered it. I understand it. I know what you want me to do. And here's the sad thing. David is saying, I've discovered my place. I've discovered my place in your will. And here's the reality is that so many people, so many of us, never have opened our ears. Well, we've never allowed God to pierce our ears. We've never totally or even maybe at all discovered 
God's will for our life and how I fit into his will for my life. And David is saying, listen, I understand it. I've heard it. Here's the thing is discovering God's will for your life is the most important thing that you and I can ever do. It's the most important thing that you and I can ever do is discovering God's will for our lives. And again, it's not necessarily mystical. It's not something that God's going to write on a wall. Again, most of it is revealed in God's word. It's revealed again by doing things His ways. But it is the most important thing that you can do if you're young today and you're just starting out in life. The most important thing you can do is to start to discover, God, what is your will for my life? As I go through my teenage years, as I go through my 20s, God, what do you want to do in my life? What's your will? It's the most important thing you can do. And here's the thing. So many of us have or so many of us are wasting time either not discovering or either not being able to discover God's will or not even caring what God's will is. And we go through the young part of our life and we go through the teenage years of our life or we go through the 20s of our life just kind of going and just kind of doing. And we're not really honestly trying to open our ears and we waste seasons and we waste opportunities. You know what? There's be honest with you, I wish, some, I would not want to, but I wish sometimes I could go back and just start over. Have you ever wished that? You know, if some of you say, no, I don't ever wish that, and I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure you're being honest, right? But there are certain aspects of my life I wish I could go back and start over at 20 or 18 or even younger. And if I could just retain some of the wisdom that I've learned over the last 20 years, and take that back to 16, 17, and apply it. And then I look, I look at it, and I think, how much further ahead would I be if at 16, 17, or 18, I would have really dug in, if I would have really discovered God's will and God's plan and took it serious and got into His Word and done things His way and followed His principles, where would I be at today at 41 years old? That's what David is talking about. Listen. My ears have heard. I've discovered it. I know what you want me to do. I've heard it. God wants to open your ears, and he wants to open my ears so we can discover the will of God. You know what? We painted our living room um, the other night, and uh, I don't like to pick out paint. I think I know what looks good until it gets in the room, right? And sometimes I'm right. Some of you think I'm not, but sometimes I'm right. But I'm not good with colors. Partially it's because I'm not a decorator, but the other reason is because I'm colorblind. I mean, there's shades of colors, and and I kind of go crazy when I go pick out paint. I mean, I, I actually did this. I googled the color orange, and according to, was it Wikipedia? There's like 40-some different shades of orange. It's crazy. So if you, go to, if you go to Lowe's or you go to Yoder's or you go somewhere to pick out paint and you're like, I'm looking for green paint or I'm looking for orange or whatever. It's like all this, like 
all these different colors of paint, and it would be great if you could just walk into a store and you say, you know what, I want red paint. And they have one color of red. And some of you think that is horrible, boring. See, to me, that would be simple, right? I'm a little bit like this, too. There's a, you guys, have, some of you eat at uh, the old sandwich, old sandwich shop in downtown Seneca. I don't mind that place, but it's like way too many choices. You know, I sit down and I open up the menu and I'm like, I have no idea. You know, it's just too many choices. And that's the thing about, that's what makes it, I think that's maybe why some of us give up on this will of, the whole will of God thing. And even this whole discovering thing is like, I just get so confused because there's just like all these varieties that I could do. And how do I figure that all out? I could live here, I could live there, and there's different shades and there's different things that all come together. And so, you know, it's just like, let's just not even bother with it. Or we don't even, either we don't bother with it or we spend unlimited amount of time going through the sample of colors. And I know that some of you are like this. When you pick out paint, it takes days, right? Because you bring the whole stupid paint sample home. And then you look through it and it's like, ah, and it's like this major, major thing to paint on a color because see, even though there's a lot of choices, I'm just like, let's just try that. You know, there's it's an orange, it's a shade orange, it'll work. But for some of you, you sit there, some of us, we sit there and we spend days looking. Well, I'm not sure that's quite right. And, and if I put that on the wall and then I hang this and, and I put this curtain, it's just not, and, I'm, and then we like, Take forever to paint it, or we never paint it at all, and we never make a choice. And here's my point, maybe a bad point, maybe that didn't make sense, is some of us get stuck in this discovery spot of what is God's will. Well, it's so confusing, and if, and if I do that, well, then maybe I'm going to wish later I got this, and And there's just so many choices, and so we just stay there, and we never make a decision, and we never try anything because we're never secure enough. And we're never sure enough, okay, God, I hear what you want me to do. And I'm not sure it's exactly the right color, but I'm going to go with it. And if, God, you want to change it along the way, you can change it. Because the reality is, in a lot of ways, God's will is like that. There's a big variety. And there's all these shades. And so we can't get stuck in, this, in the discovery stage. What we have to move to is the second thing. We have to do something. We have to do it. We need to discover it. We need to see it. But then we need to move on and we need to do it. Be ye, be ye not hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word. Do, do something. <clears throat> Some of us get stuck in the discovery mode. Here's what we have to understand. If I go to the paint store, listen, if I go to the paint store and I buy 20 gallons of paint and I make my choice, I do the discovering. We went and bought, Bonnie went and bought paint the other night. And within five minutes of that can of paint being in the house, we were putting it on the wall. 
And my point is, is this. If she would have went and bought the paint and we'd have stuck it in the corner of the living room, that paint would have never, it would have never done anything. It would have been of no value because we had never applied it to the wall. She went and discovered it. She went and picked out her color. She paid the price. She got all of the stuff that we needed, plastic, rollers, paintbrush, everything that we needed to paint. But listen, if we'd have walked into the house or we'd have walked in the garage, stuck it on a shelf, and we would have never put it on the wall, it would have been a complete, total waste. The discovery stage would have been completely, totally wasted because we'd have never applied it. And listen, we're all guilty of that. And I think sometimes those of us that have been in church for years and years and years have bought hundreds of buckets of paint and we've never applied it. And our closets are full. Our minds are full of knowledge. We know the verses. We know we need to forgive. We know we need to move on. We know we need to repent. We know, we know, we've been told, we've discovered, we've done all the discovering. We know it all. We have just never opened the bucket and applied it. You know, here's what some of us do. You guys ever, have you guys ever been to the Christian bookstore and you buy this neat little pack of highlighters? And listen, I've done this, so this is fine. But we buy this little pack of highlighters and it's like, red is for the words of Jesus and every verse that we come across, Jesus said, maybe we highlighted red and I don't know what the colors represent, but maybe green is for all the verses that represent forgiveness. And, oh, I just love these verses about forgiveness. And I love these verses, and we highlight them in yellow, and all these verses stand for that. And we, listen, we've done the discovering. But we haven't applied it. We know the verses about forgiveness, but there's somebody in our past, or there's somebody last week that we're angry with, and we are refusing to forgive and we're not applying it. And for some of us, it's simple things like this. And listen, I'm as guilty as you are. Right? I mean, I'm, I'm all about, I, God, you're, you're such a patient God, and I thank you so much for being patient. And, and God, I really, this verse is so awesome about patient. And then we're like, shut up! I'm trying to study here. You know, we, we turn around and we holler at our kids or we snap out at our wife and it's like, we've done all the discovering. We're just not doing. And we're not applying it. I heard someone say this the other day. Most of us, most of us are educated way beyond our obedience. And I think that's true. Most of us are way more educated than what we obey, than what we put into practice. We must do it. You know, it's a little bit like this. I heard this story the other day, and I thought it was perfect. Son comes home, he's in his teenage years, 13 or 14 years old. His mom and dad are both overweight, and they're not healthy. He comes home, walks into the living room. 
And on the TV screen is an exercise video. I don't remember what it was. But there was an exercise video playing on the TV screen. And, and his initial thought was, oh, mom and dad are going to get serious about, you know, getting healthy and in shape. And then he, kind of all in the same instant, turns and looks. And both of his parents are sitting on the couch with a bowl of ice cream and chocolate syrup watching the exercise video. And listen, that's like a stupid illustration where you're like, that makes no sense. But don't we do that sometimes? The right video's playing. We've got shelves of books, right? We've got Bibles that are highlighted and scribbled in. And for some of us, we've even got Bibles maybe that, that if somebody would open, they would be impressed because we've wrote in it and, and we've wrote things. And the challenge on this point is, are we just discovering or are we applying? And I wonder sometimes if some of us ought to make a point in our lives in some areas to say, I'm not going to discover anymore. Just for a month. No more discovery. No more reading books. You know, just put the books away. I'm not talking about Bible. I'm just going to apply what I already know. I'm just going to practice. I'm just going to practice. And then the third thing, when it comes to this whole thing, is we need to discover. Can't stay there. We must do it. We must apply. But then God also wants us to move to another level. And that is when it becomes our desire. When it becomes our desire. When it moves from duty to devotion. When it, becomes, when it becomes not just a duty, I've got to do this, and I should do this, but it actually becomes the desire of our heart. Right? And, it's, and it's, it doesn't necessarily become natural, but it's what we want to do. God, I, I want to do your will. I desire to do your will. You know, the Bible teaches us this, and this is really what Christianity is all about, isn't it? Is that ultimately being... A Christian is about becoming like Jesus Christ. That we become him, that we're little Christ, or, or we're little Jesuses. That we become him and we become like him. I want to ask you a question about Jesus. Was there ever a moment or was there ever a time when Jesus walked the face of this planet and lived his life on earth that he did not want to do the will of of his heavenly father. You don't have to necessarily respond, although you can if you want to. Was there ever a time when Jesus did not want to do the will of his father? I want to read you a verse. Luke 22, verse 42. I'm going to try to make sense out of this real quick. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's facing the biggest challenge of his life, the hardest thing that he had ever done. And for a moment, one time, we see Jesus not wanting to do the will of his heavenly Father. Here's what he says. Luke 22, verse 42, it says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, And then he says this, yet not my will, 
but your will be done. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And then I want to take you to a couple of verses in Hebrews 10, verse 17. And this is where Hebrews 10, verse 17 is, is, uh, is quoting the couple of verses that we read in Psalms. Hebrews 10, 17, it says, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, this is what Christ said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. In other words, in other words Jesus is saying, it's not just the doing that you desired. It's already beyond the discovering, but it's not just the doing. It's not just the sacrifice and the offering. It's not just the duty. Okay? With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. It didn't satisfy you. Then I said, Jesus said, then I said, here I am. Here I am. I have come to do your will. That's why I'm here. My desire of my heart is to do your will. Will, it's moved beyond discovery. It's moved beyond just doing out of duty. But listen, it has to start there. It has to start with doing. But what Jesus is teaching here is, listen, it's going to move to another level, and it's going to move to this thing where it's an outflow of your heart. It becomes my desire, God, to do your will. And the reason I read you this verse in Luke 22 is because I think it's there for a reason. And I think it's Jesus in Scripture's way of saying, listen, it's not always, always, 100% of the time just going to come out of the heart. There are going to be times. Even Jesus had a moment when he struggled against the will of his Heavenly Father, but it was not the norm. Okay, it was not the norm. And it ought to be the same for you and me. It ought to become more often than not that our desire is to forgive. You see the difference? But listen, if you're here today and your desire is not to forgive, I'm not here to beat you up, I'm just here to say, do it anyway. Because as you do it, as we do, it begins to move into desire. And that's what ultimately God wants for you and me. Is for us to desire for our hearts to be changed, for, our, for, for everything in us to desire to do God's will. God, I, I want to do your will. And as Christians, when we get to the place where we can honestly say, I desire to forgive. I desire, God, to do what you asked me to do, even if it's hard. That no, then we know that we're growing. But boy, Boy, I think sometimes there's so many of us get stuck in the discovery mode. And then even beyond that, some of us get stuck in this duty mode where it's, God, I'm going to do it, but I don't want to. Right? And what I really want to do is smack them. But I'm going to do it because it's the right thing. And listen, that's okay. We need to do that. But wouldn't it be great to move beyond that and the desire of our heart is to begin to line up with who God is and His character. We move from duty to desire. I desire to worship. And here, this goes into all kinds of practical ways. I desire to worship. I'm not going to just go worship, right? 
because I should. I desire it. I really want to worship you, Father. I'm not going to just give because I should. I want to give. It's a desire of my heart. I'm not going to just remain pure because I should remain pure. I really want to be pure. And the list goes on and on. Discover what God's will is, which we've done for the last couple of weeks. Well, let's not just stay in discovery. Let's do it. And as we do it, let's begin to allow God to change it into the desire of our heart. I want to leave you with one verse. Psalm 37, verse 4. And I don't want you to misinterpret this verse. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I think there's two ways you can look at this verse. I think God does give us the desires of our heart. God has given many of you the desires of your heart. But what this verse is really saying is this, is as I delight myself in the Lord, as I delight myself in the Lord, as He is first and I search after Him, He transforms my heart, and my desires become the same as his desires. And I move from duty to desire as I delight myself in him. Let's pray.